This episode is sponsored by Linode. Linode is offering listeners of this podcast a $20 credit, which is good for four free months at their lowest plan. Their plans start at one gigabyte of RAM for $5 a month. You can get your servers in any of their 10 data centers, and their high memory plans start at 16 gigabytes. Get a server running in under a minute. They do hourly billing with a monthly cap on all plans and add-on services like backups, node balancers, long view, etc. VMs for full control, running Docker containers, encrypted disks, VPNs, etc. You can run a private Git server. They provide native SSD storage, 40 gigabit network, and Intel E5 processors. They have 24-7 friendly support, even on holidays, and a seven-day money-back guaranteed. So go check them out at linode.com slash myangularstory. Hey, everybody, and welcome to another episode of My Angular Story. Uh, this week, we're talking to Jesse Liberty. Jesse, do you want to say hello? Hello, and pleased to be here. Now, uh, we've had you on the Adventures in Angular podcast. I'm trying to remember exactly what we talked about. I, I usually look it up beforehand, but... Well, at the time, I was doing a fair amount of Angular work, as I remember. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. I know that you've uh, moved on to some other things, and um, you know, you're working on other things. In fact, do you want to just kind of give us a, a brief... Oh, there we go. Episode 15, uh, you came and talked about Kendo UI and Angular. Um, do you want to just kind of give us an idea of what you're working on these days? Sure. A lot of my attention has turned to working on mobile applications, but I recently took a job with Wintelect, and so I will be looking at uh, Xamarin, certainly, and also, uh, excuse me, and also Azure. Mm -hmm. And I expect over time to be doing more web programming and then certainly with that doing some Angular. Awesome. Well, this show kind of serves a few purposes. One is to show the people behind the code, but it's also an opportunity for us to catch up with people who have been on the show, uh, just see what they where they are now. So uh, we'll probably talk a little bit about your forays into Angular, and then we'll also talk about your forays into mobile development Xamarin. Sounds good. All right, but but let's go back. Let's go back a long time, um, and it's a long time with most people I talk to. Uh, how did you get into programming? Into programming? Oh, well, let's see. In my high school, we had a Monrobot computer that was a paper tape. And I used to say that it was assembly. Turns out it was actually machine code, ones and zeros. So that gives you some idea when that was. Oh, wow. And uh, didn't really like it that much. So stepped away from it. And then in college, didn't really like it that much, stepped away from it. And then when the IBM PC came out, I discovered that I really did like it. Uh, personal computers really changed everything. So I learned, uh, initially, I believe the first thing I learned was Turbo Pascal. And then I was at Citibank and we had a contractor who helped me learn uh, Unix programming. And I then called a, a friend who I had met who was a killer C programmer and told him I wanted to learn C. And he said, well, if you want to learn C, first learn assembly, which was great advice because when I got to C and pointers, they made perfect sense. Yep. So that was pretty much my entry point. Uh, professional programming, getting paid for it, goes back uh, about close to 30 years. 
and uh, worked my way from C to C++ to C Sharp and then to the bazillion web tools and languages and so forth. Right. That makes sense. Um, so, so as you kind of came up through your career, I'm curious, how, yeah, how do you get to web development from doing C programming and ones and zeros? Yeah, it's a good question. I think the trick is to stay current. And, uh, you know, my experience is that there are programmers who prefer to get really good at something and then do that. And then there are other programmers like me who, as soon as we get proficient at something, it's time to move on and learn the next thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're bored easily. <laughs> so so at some point along there, actually, I could tell you when. It was uh, 19... Just bear with me for a second while I think about this. It was it was just before my younger daughter was born. So it's um, uh, I think it's ninety four. I was at a show. We were showing uh, Ziff Davis's new offering, which was called Interchange, and we had hypertext and we had. Uh, uh, background tasks using Windows 3.1, which was quite remarkable and a really nice user interface. And I was showing it off to the guy in the booth next to me. And he said, that's very cool. Let me show you what we have. This thing's called Mosaica. And he explained the concept of the web. And I said, okay, we're dead. <laughs> that was the end of that project. Uh, but at that point, I learned HTML. And from there, uh, not long after, I learned JavaScript. Uh, pretty much when it first came out, and then CSS, and you know how it goes, working step by step. Right. What Was there something in particular about JavaScript that you liked, or was it just the fact that it, you know, it executed on the web, and the web was kind of the thing that you were interested in? No, JavaScript was and remains a nightmare. It's, uh, <laughs> <laughs> the only thing that has saved JavaScript, in my opinion, uh, well, two things. One is the extensive libraries that have been built on top of it, like jQuery and so forth. But also now that TypeScript is, is a real language, uh, that for me has really revitalized my interest in doing JavaScript work because I can do it in TypeScript using strongly typed language with objects and then have that transpile directly into JavaScript. Right. And that that's really interesting. I mean, um, you know, TypeScript has made a lot of things a lot easier for me as well. And, uh, you know, it, it tends to be my preferred way of writing JavaScript. And I know so everybody has their opinion, and some people are going to be like, not TypeScript. Of course, this is an Angular show, so maybe they will be all on board. I don't know. Um but yeah, we, we recently did a show and I asked people why they were sticking with Angular 1 and a lot of people cited having to learn TypeScript as one of the reasons why they hadn't switched. So maybe not. Anyway, um, so yeah. I got to say, I gotta say that's, a, that's, that's easily overcome, that objection, because TypeScript, first of all, it's not an all or nothing decision. You can, you can TypeScript is JavaScript, so you can, yeah. you know, you can incrementally learn it as you go. And secondly, strongly typed languages have tremendous advantages that don't get in the way of your programming, but do mean that you'll catch errors before runtime. So that's a strong selling point. I, I really don't get staying with Angular 1 because of the fear of TypeScript. That, to me, that seems like, let me see if I can come up with an analogy, you know, sort of uh, turning down your opportunity to be in a racing car because 
you, you know, you have a strong fear of pedals. <laughs> <laughs> that makes me laugh. Um, yeah, so so you get into JavaScript, and I, I'm assuming you, you know, you went through the period where, you know, jQuery, and then we had some of the frameworks come out. You know, yes. at, at what point or what was your path from web development into Angular? Well, I think that the answer to that is John Papa was my path. <laughs> and, uh, you know, as John got into Angular and, and developed real expertise and some of the other folks who I really, really like in the industry, Ward Bell, and and uh, I'm, I'm leaving folks out. But as, as uh, you know, the cool kids started playing with Angular, it became very, very attractive. Right. And as I saw what it could do, it became even more attractive. So I, I was uh, very impressed by Angular 1, much more impressed by Angular 2. Mm -hmm. um, it was almost silly to name it Angular 2. I mean, I see why they did, but it was so conspicuously different and better. Yep. Um, I believe you guys are up to Angular 4 now. Or if I missed a week and a half and it's now Angular 5. I think it's Angular 5 doesn't surprise me <laughs> the pace is uh is very fast triangular yeah i i keep seeing you know more updates and things like that and uh yeah i am i'm relatively certain that it's angular 5 um i mean most of the stuff that i've been doing with angular yeah angular 5.2 um you know i'm still playing with angular 4 but yeah um constantly updating constantly putting new stuff out um so yeah, so w w what did you wind up building or doing with Angular? Anything you're particularly proud of? Um, no, <laughs> nothing I'm particularly proud of. <laughs> um, I, I really was in the position of learning and then ultimately teaching to some degree the fundamentals. But putting it to work in a real enterprise application by the time I was in anything like a position to do that. I started doing mobile programming with Xamarin, and I've uh, I've been doing that pretty steadily for a couple of years. Right. So one other question that that I have for you about Angular before we move on and talk about Xamarin and and that journey um, is it seems like there's kind of been this argument over which framework makes the most sense to use for what. Um, did, did you get into any of that or, you know, were you just in Angular until the next thing came along that, that made sense for you to move to? I think it's more the latter. I don't, I try to avoid the religious wars over which platform is best. I know that a whole lot of folks who I respect are very impressed by React. Uh, my basic approach is that if you're working in Angular and it's doing the job for you, then the bar is high. It's not overwhelmingly high, but it's high to jump to the next hot thing. I think there has to be a good reason to do that. And if they're accomplishing essentially the same thing, then I'd rather develop some proficiency than just jump around. Right. That makes sense. So you, you get in, you start doing stuff with Angular, and then you make the move to mobile and Xamarin. Um, I'm curious both for the reasons and the, the process of making that change. Well, I was working at the time for Falafel Software, which was a small consulting company. Mm -hmm. And at the time, I believe uh, my 
title, which I can never remember, was Director of New Development, New Technology, some such thing. Mm -hmm. And they asked me to look at Xamarin Forms, and I really liked it. I liked it a lot. And we built a couple applications in it. And uh, shortly after that, I went independent and uh, secured a couple of contracts in Xamarin Forms. Xamarin Forms, when I first saw it, was being positioned as a prototyping language for quick and dirty programs. But I really felt like it had a whole lot more potential than that. In fact, I wrote a blog post called If I Were Miguel de Casa, and the uh, thrust of that blog post was that I would put my investment, my money, my time into building out Xamarin Forms. And in fact, I think that's to a large degree what they did. You can see that because, if nothing else, the Xamarin University certification test has gone from having about 10% Xamarin forms to about 70% Xamarin forms. Mm -hmm. There is a growing consensus among Xamarin programmers that if you're going to take on a Xamarin application, your default choice should be forms and native should require a pretty good reason because forms gives you so much more reuse and the risk is so much lower than it used to be because if you decide that you've run into some sort of dead end and you wish you had done it in native you can now embed xamarin form code directly into a native application so nothing is lost so for those of us who are you know strictly web and angular and aren't familiar with the terms what's the difference then between uh, xamarin forms and xamarin native sure xamarin native says that you're going to work for example on an ios application and you're going to do that in c sharp but the ui will be done in native ios using the um, ios toolkit Mm-hmm. Similarly, if you're building an Android, you'll do it in C-sharp, and then you'll build your UI as a standard Android application. And in fact, the C-sharp can be shared between the iOS and the Android application. And remember, on both of those, what is produced at the end is native code. So the code that's produced by Xamarin iOS is physically indistinguishable from the code that's produced from Swift or Objective-C. And similarly, the code that's produced by Xamarin Android is indistinguishable from code produced by Java. The idea of Xamarin Forms is to take that reuse that we get on uh, the logic and extend that to the user interface. Right. And the way that that works in a nutshell is that you build Xamarin Forms using the Xamarin Forms controls, and then they are rendered as native controls on each platform. Interesting. So, uh, given your your long history with the different web technologies, I guess the other question that I have is, you know, why Xamarin? Because Xamarin C sharp as opposed to something, you know, one of the JavaScript related frameworks. Right. Well, C sharp had and has a lot of advantages in terms of the maturity of the development environment, the maturity of the language, flexibility. Uh, I liked very much that you could write once and run on multiple platforms on iOS, Android, UWP. It seemed like a natural extension 
Uh, certainly, if you were a Silverlight programmer or a WPF programmer, you'd be very much at home in Xamarin. And uh, the performance is native performance. You can't get better performance than you get out of Xamarin. So it made a lot of sense. Certainly made more sense a couple of years ago when the uh, when the JavaScript programs that were running on the phone were essentially running in a browser and had mm -hmm. terrible performance. These days, that's much less true. And when I'm asked by companies, should we use Xamarin or should we use a JavaScript-based development, my general answer is to ask, well, who are the programmers that you have and what are they already good at? Right. And if you know if you have a if you have a stable of good C sharp programmers, then Xamarin is the obvious answer. That makes sense. What you know, yeah, which ecosystem do you want to maintain? Exactly. Exactly. And with Microsoft's acquisition of Xamarin, it looks so far very good that they are not uh diminishing Xamarin, they're not consuming or subsuming Xamarin. What they're doing is giving it its keeping its identity intact but pouring R&D into it and extending it. And the fact that uh, Miguel de Casa stayed as essentially the CTO of Xamarin within Microsoft and the other founders are there and working hard on the, uh, on the platform says that uh, the acquisition by Microsoft is probably a very, very good thing. Yeah, well, and it's, it's interesting, you know, you talk about this and, I know this is an Angular show, but a lot of the movement here is very interesting just from the standpoint of how code and how ecosystems evolve. Um, it wasn't just that uh, Microsoft acquired Xamarin. I believe I was actually at Build. It was Build 2016, I think, when they announced that they had acquired Xamarin. Um, and I was, I was at the event. But uh, anyway, it's interesting because they not only acquired Xamarin, um, but they've also, you know, reworked Xamarin Studio now to be Visual Studio for Mac. They've um, open sourced uh, the .NET Core, which has a lot of ties into Mono, which was uh, something that Xamarin grew out of. And so there are a lot of these tie-ins with the open source community that Microsoft seems to be not only acquiring but adopting. Yes, I don't think there's any question about that. The there's been a, a radical turn at Microsoft towards support for open source. And uh, John Galloway of Microsoft, great, great guy, good friend, is in charge of, uh, I believe it's called the .NET Foundation, which is essentially a supporting organization for open source. Microsoft has open sourced a tremendous amount of their development environment and of their languages and underlying frameworks. So that, I think, has given a great deal more confidence in some sectors of the development community that Microsoft is serious about this commitment to .NET Core and to Xamarin and isn't going to pull the rug out from under them. Right. So what are you working on now? Are, are there specific things that you're working on within the Xamarin ecosystem, or is it mostly just serving your clients? Well, no. Uh, actually, I'm having a great deal of fun because... I have uh, a couple clients, both of which are Xamarin clients, one of which is uh, has some very challenging graphics issues uh, for Xamarin. And in the meantime, I'm working on my uh, Azure, my first Azure architecture test, 
Um, I I don't generally go in for certification tests. Uh, Xamarin was my the first time I actually did something like that. But Wintelect would like to have me certified on a number of Azure topics, so I'm doing that. And I'm also spending more time understanding the native Xamarin development specifically for some of the graphic issues. So have my finger in a number of different pies, and, and that's always good fun. That that's cool. Um, I'm also curious. You know, you you kind of came up through, um, you know, closer to the hardware programming with the you know ones and zeros and the machine language, and then C, and then you kind of moved up, and now you and then you were doing web, and now you're doing mobile. Do do you see things kind of moving in a progression for your career? Do you see things moving more toward mobile, or more toward web, or more toward something else? And do you think something else is going to come up that's going to catch your interest here in another few years? Well, there'll certainly be something else that catches my interest. Yes, I see a progression. I'm an app programmer, an application-level programmer. So as such, the increasing abstraction over the years that allow me to ignore more of the plumbing and focus more on the application has been great. Uh, mobile applications, mobile apps are certainly very strong in the industry right now and I think getting stronger more and more uh, enterprise uh, applications are being built at, and that's very exciting the tie-in between mobile as a front end and Azure as a back end gives tremendous tremendous potential uh, I, I suspect in the short run that my uh, quote-unquote new interest will be within Azure because that is a big, large, hairy, scary uh, framework. Uh, what will come in two or three years is anybody's guess. Nice. Well, I mean, it's really interesting just to see this progression. And it's also interesting just to talk to people who took part in the Angular community. I know we met at one of the ng-comps. Yes. Um, you know, and, and, and then have moved on to other things and just... I, I don't know exactly how to articulate it, but just you don't have to be a one trick pony, I guess. Um, you know, go go and do the things that kind of make you shine, make you happy. Well, I have to admit to you that I miss working in Angular. And mm -hmm. and if I had free, total free choice of where to put my energy and had unlimited energy, then I would spend some of it on Angular. I think right. it is very, very cool. The uh the issue has been the combination of where do my clients want me to go and how many hours are there in a day. Uh, so if I'm working in mobile and I'm building my skills in Azure, then adding Angular just at the moment doesn't really make sense. So it's right. sort of been on, it's been, I would say it's been on hold for a few months for a long time. <laughs> That's what it comes down to. Yep. Awesome. So, um, I guess the last question is, is if, if people want to catch up with you or see what you're working on these days, uh, maybe follow you on Twitter or GitHub, where are the best places to do that? Oh, I'm easily reached. Um, and it's always Jesse Liberty. So Twitter is at Jesse Liberty. And my website is jesseliberty.com. And if you want to find out about what I'm doing, jesseliberty.me. So it's pretty easy to find me. These days, a uh, really good place to reach me is at jliberty at wintelect.com. That is uh, my principal occupation and, and 
uh, you know, certainly my employer and, and where I'm spending my time. So that's probably the best way to reach me, especially if you're interested in Wintelect doing, potentially doing some consulting work for you. If, uh, if you just want to chat, uh, Twitter is probably the right thing. Sounds good. Yeah, we'll uh, we'll definitely encourage people if they decide that they need your your brand of skills, you know, with Xamarin and, and things like that, uh, to to reach out. Well, I appreciate that. All right. Well, uh, the last section of the show is picks. Do you run your own freelance business, or maybe you're thinking about picking up some business on the side? Well, then you need FreshBooks. FreshBooks is the quickest and easiest way to get invoices out to your clients. It's easy to use. It works anywhere. Available from any device uh, on the desktop, iPhone, iPad, Android, and all of your data is backed up and secure. And it makes it really easy to get organized and get paid. You'll be tracking time, logging expenses, and invoicing your clients in no time. You can also save time billing, freeing up several days per month to focus on the work that you love, and you get paid faster. FreshBooks customers are paid on average five days faster because there's a link on the invoice that says pay me now. And it's a great way to grow your business. Plus, FreshBooks is offering a 30-day trial. That's right, 30-day trial if you try them out. So go to gofreshbooks.com slash devchat and enter devchat in the how did you hear about us section. Once again, for a 30-day trial, go to gofreshbooks.com slash devchat and enter devchat in the how did you hear about us section. Um, so are there some things you want to shout out about? Sure. Visual Studio for Mac has... Uh, made incredible progress in the short time since they switched over. When they first created Visual Studio for Mac, it was just Xamarin Studio in in a new uh, in a new skin. But now it is rapidly becoming a major development environment. And since I slightly prefer to spend my time on the Mac, uh, that's very exciting. Although I have to say that I do most of my Xamarin development on Windows. Uh, the other uh, shout out. I guess I've been spending a lot of time reading uh, not only technical books, but uh, a burst of fiction. And uh, if you don't mind my plugging it, uh, folks are at any level interested. I don't know why they should be and what my favorite books are. That's at Amazon.com slash shop slash Jesse Liberty. So if for some reason you have an interest in which books I think are great this year, that's that's a good place to find it. Awesome. I'm going to jump in here with a few picks as well. Uh, one of the features that they showed off at Microsoft Connect, which was in November, was the Visual Studio Live Share. And that's available yes. for Visual Studio and Visual Studio Code when they release it. I, I'm not sure they've released it yet. Um, but we did an interview on JavaScript Jabber with Amanda Silver and talked about uh, TypeScript. And, uh, you know, we, we also talked about the live sharing with uh, Chris Dias and B.J. Myers. So if you're interested in any of those features, uh, you can check out those uh, episodes. And then you can also just do a quick uh, search for Visual Studio Live Share. Really, really cool features. And I understand that some of the other uh, text editors have developed similar features, but it's, it's nice to see that you can get some of these uh, real-time remote collaboration things going on and uh, do some of the stuff that's kind of hard sometimes to, to do across distances without somebody looking over your shoulder. So um, I'm going to pick that. And then also in the spirit of um, fiction, I, I've been reading a book series lately, or listening, I should say, on Audible, uh, a book series that I've really been enjoying lately. 
Um, it's one that I've listened to in the past. Um, listening to fiction just helps me relax in the evening. And uh, that is The Wheel of Time. Um, I'm currently on book 11, I think it is, Crossroads of Twilight. And uh, anyway, the, the narrators are really terrific. And so I'm really enjoying that. And then I've also been listening to another book uh, by Mark Sisson called The Keto Reset Diet. So if you're interested in uh, keto or ketogenic, uh, definitely check that out. And since I'm talking about keto and ketogenic, um, if you're interested in that particular you know, way of eating, um, people call it the keto diet, but it's more of a, a lifestyle, solves a lot of problems. I'm diabetic, so low carb to me makes sense. Um, there's a terrific podcast out there called Two Keto Dudes. And if you're familiar, if you're familiar with .NET Rocks, um, you can go check it out. Uh, Carl Franklin from .NET Rocks is one of the hosts. And then incidentally, the other host is named Richard, but it's not Richard Campbell. Um, and that also reminds me of one other thing that I probably ought to shout out about. Um, I was recently on .NET Rocks. Um, I've gotten to know Carl and Richard uh, over the last several years, and they're, they're awesome guys. Uh, but last week as we record this, which um, is mid-January 2018, um, I did an episode with them. They released it on Thursday. And so if you're interested, I talked about finding a job, talked about some of the unconventional methods for getting noticed and, and you know moving up. So if you're interested in that, then definitely check that out as well. Um, .NET Rocks is just a terrific podcast anyway, and they talk about all kinds of interesting things. So um, I'll shout that out too. Well, congratulations on getting on .NET Rocks. That's uh, certainly the big time, and I'll be looking for that show. Awesome. All right. Well, thank you for coming, Jesse. It's always fun to catch up and find out what people are up to these days. Well, I appreciate the opportunity. Thank you so much. All right. Well, we will uh, wrap this one up and we'll have another story next week. Bandwidth for this segment is provided by Cashfly, the world's fastest CDN. Deliver your content fast with Cashfly. Visit C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y dot com to learn more.